Gracious Heavenly Father, as we open up your word together, I ask that you, by your spirit, would help us to be open to receive. I know that each person comes to church with various things on their hearts and on their minds. Lord, help us to really receive what you have to say. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us, that we might become more like Christ. We ask this in his holy name. Amen. Please be seated. We just finished St. Patrick's Day. Maybe you celebrated, maybe you didn't. But one of the key symbols of St. Patrick's Day is the shamrock. Did you know that the shamrock is a sham? If you go look for a shamrock, you will not find one because shamrocks don't exist. And you're thinking, oh, come on, pastor. I've seen lots of three-leaf clovers, and, and those aren't shamrocks, not scientifically. In fact, you have a saint that is connected to a shamrock back in the 5th century named Patrick. But the shamrock doesn't start appearing in literature until the 1500s. And it's not until 1596 that the first herbologist labels something as a shamrock. It just means little clover. And there's all kinds of things that can be called that. But none of them are technically a shamrock. It's a sham, and you can look all you want, but you're not going to find it. And that is exactly what we've been talking about in Ecclesiastes. You can look all you want under the sun to find happiness, meaning, worth, but it is fleeting and futile if you try to do it all the ways that Kohelet has been trying. And where we pick up today is a shift. A shift in tone, a shift in direction. We've had three weeks of how awful everything is. Now we get one of two weeks, one of two points, applications, exhortations for what is good. What do we do? I invite you. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're in chapter 3, and as soon as I get there, I'll tell you a page number. That is on page 952 in the Pew Bibles. Page 952. A different approach. The approach he's been using isn't working. He highlights a different one now. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, which is right where we left off from last week. Verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. So this is just an acknowledgement of the fact that everybody wants to find happiness. Enjoy. Not only that, he says that second part there, and to do good. 
He uses that Hebrew word a lot throughout Ecclesiastes. And you will find numerous translations because it's tough to know exactly what he means in different points. I will not pretend to know, but I am going to go with something that is slightly different from the NIV. I think it means worthwhile, meaningful, um, fulfilling, the kind of thing he's been talking about throughout the book so far. How many of you don't want to find happiness and fulfillment? I'm assuming you all want that, right? I mean, everybody wants that. And how's he been trying to find it? The same way that so many people in our world try to find it, including us at times. He's been seeking it in money, in fame, in education, all of these things. Can I find happiness if I get just a little bit more? And his answer has been so far a resounding no. But there's a different way. Keep reading. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction, fulfillment, meaning in all their toil. This is the gift of God. All right, here's this next path. So he has been exploring so far and will continue throughout the book to explore this. The idea of gain. Can gain give us joy, fulfillment, happiness? No, he says. But gift, the gift of God, it is radically different to approach it that way. And he's just listed a couple of things. We're going to talk about more of them as the second part of the sermon. But he says God has given us a gift. And gift and gain are very, very different. A number of years ago, I went to Starbucks really early in the morning. And what I remember about it is, number one, it was still mostly dark, and yet there were almost no parking spots. I don't know what was going on that particular morning, but it was full. And so in my Honda, I pull into the only spot that I can find near Starbucks, and next to me is a giant truck. And when you're from Texas, it's a giant truck. Big old wheels, really tall, to the point that I'm in my little Honda, and when I step out of my Honda and I stand up, I'm just barely looking into the window. <laughs> I mean, it was that tall. And the window is down, and the largest German shepherd I've ever seen is sitting in the seat. <laughs> and his face is right in front of my face, and I just jumped back, hit my car, and I look at this dog, and this dog is just sitting there going, hey, dude. Like, I, he could smile, he was smiling. And there's just this total chill, hey, man, what's going on? You know, and I'm like, ah! Hey, that is one image of a dog. Here's a different image of a dog. This morning, at 6.30, when I walk in to take a shower, I open up the door. My dog bounds out of the room as if she hasn't eaten in three weeks and is bouncing in the air and just, she is so utterly out of control trying to get to her food. There is no chill, there is no calm, there is nothing about this dog. They are so utterly different. 
gain and gift. They are utterly different. And most people are starting with gain. He wants us to start with gift. What has God given? You know, and here's why. We'll talk about what he's given in a minute. But here's why he wants us to start there. One of the reasons. Jump back in the text. Verse 14. I know that everything God does will endure. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. There's two, uh, two points to that, two meanings to that. One, he's already said we can't make much of a difference in all of the things God's established in the world. God's already established them. We're not going to change them. But it also applies to the gift that he's just mentioned. That is the gift that God has given. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. And yet, every time we pursue joy and meaning through gain, it's as if we are trying to add to or take away from what God has established. We're going to go our own path. God has established it. And last sentence in that, God does it so that people will fear him. God has given us a gift. Have you ever received a gift that was just kind of blew your mind? Bigger than what you would have imagined. Somebody gave you something and you were like, wow, you did that for me? The kind of appreciation you might have had, the kind of ways you might want to have treated that person because you're like, wow, thank you. He gave us these gifts that we might go, wow, Thank you, God. Thank you for providing this for us. I can't believe you would do that. If you think of that song, from creation, the very fact that he created us, he gave us life, to the cross, that in all of our sin, he wouldn't just let us exist that way, but he provided what was needed that we might know him and be forgiven, to eternity, that he would give us life, everlasting. All of that is part of the gifts. God gave us that, that we might live out of an awe, out of a reverence for him and the gifts. And all of it, and I want to just drill this home for a moment, and then we're going to talk about what the gifts are that at least Ecclesiastes brings up. The starting point. Where are you starting from? Where do you make your decisions out of? You may know where you want to go. In fact, everybody, I think, wants to go to the same place. I want to find happiness and fulfillment. That's the destination. But where are you starting from to get there? And here's why it's important. Right, speaking of Texas, um, I did not spend a lot of time in downtown Dallas. Um, we lived about 20 miles north, and so we just weren't down there very often. I didn't know downtown Dallas. If I had to drive down there, I had to use some kind of map to help me find my way. Well, I used to have an iPhone. I think it was the iPhone like 6 or something. So it was a long, long time ago. Um, and I had dropped this iPhone so many times that I actually had to use tape over the screen because it was so chipped. I put it in my pocket, and it would fleck off in my pocket. It was a terrible shape. But it wasn't just the outside. The inside also had issues. There were numerous dropped calls, numerous things that didn't come through, and there was this one time where I'm in downtown Dallas. 
I knew exactly where I was going and I entered that in and then I hit go, it knew where I was going, but it couldn't find me. My phone was so messed up that it couldn't locate where I was at. Do you know how unhelpful that was when you don't know downtown Dallas? Like, that's great, phone. You're telling me I need to go there, except I don't know how to get there because I don't know where I'm at. Where are you starting? Most people are starting from gain. Most people are looking for the promotion. They're looking for the next thing, the next item, the little bit more money. If I just get this, and in some way that's how they're trying to get there, what if you start from a totally different point? You start from going, thank you, God. Thank you for the things you've put in my life. Let me learn to enjoy those things and live out of that enjoyment. Right? Here are some of those things. We're going to move to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Uh, it's on page 959. Here's why we're going there. The vast majority of this book is written in the indicative, meaning it's just statements. He's not telling us what to do or what not to do. And in fact, he talks about what we are doing this morning, this idea of eating and drinking and finding satisfaction and gift of God. He talks about that five times in Ecclesiastes. It's a big topic for him. But it's in this one that the indicative becomes the imperative. It becomes commands. He starts to tell us what to do. Not just stating things, but go do this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, go to verse 7. Here is the first command. Go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Here's the first thing. I just hear this. God has given us food and drink to enjoy to bring happiness for us. I know in the first service I asked this question, if food did not have taste, or if you didn't have taste buds, would you eat anyway? Dana said no, so I think he was going to die, but I'm pretty sure the rest of us, even if it didn't taste good, you'd still eat because it keeps you alive. Taste is not necessary. How many of you like the taste of food? <laughs> Aren't you thankful that God gave it to us. And here it is in scripture saying, go, enjoy it. Eat that steak. Let those cheesy potatoes rock your world. Right? Get that ice cream sundae and lick every bit of the bowl. Like, enjoy it. It is the gift of God and he's already approved it. He made it like this. One of the things God wants us to do is find enjoyment in the simplicity of having a meal. Keep going. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. In this case, white is probably not representative of purity, but rather it's being contrasted with mourning. The oil running down over your, that is a sign of joy. White was a sign of joy. Here is the scriptures telling you, have joy. Like, embrace it. It's okay. 
You do not have to always be grumpy and down. You can smile. You can laugh. Laughter is the gift of God. Like he wants us to have it. It's good for the soul. How many times have you laughed for an evening and felt good? How many times have you laughed at somebody's joke and it just kind of gave you this sense of happiness? Joy is good. It's actually a gift that God gave us as part of the way for us to live. Number three. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. And I need to mention, because of the NIV's translation of hevel, that word meaningless, this verse sounds a little strange. I mean, it doesn't really sound all that good for the wife or the person. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God is giving you under the sun. All your meaningless days. Go ahead. It's meaningless anyway. Just enjoy it. Um, that's not it. And I want to broaden this a little bit. It absolutely applies to the married couple. It also applies to relationships with those whom you love. And here's what he says. This life has a quality of fleeting and futility. That is the meaningless. And we can't deny that. We all know it's true. But there is something that is not fleeting or futile. Enjoying the relationships with those you love. It doesn't take much other than a commitment and some intentionality. But that right there, that is not fleeting and futile. That is a gift of God. We have these relationships that God actually wants us to enjoy. Not just to kind of deal with each other. Not just to put up with each other. But to go, you know what? This is my spouse. This is my good friend. This is my family. I love these people. I want to enjoy being with them. Because that is the gift of God that we can have that. And then lastly, he says this. Um, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do. It's pretty broad. Um, that could be out planting your garden. That could be playing an instrument. That could be cooking a meal. Um, that could be going to your actual job, whatever that may be. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Hey, this is a carpe diem kind of statement. This is a seize the day. Right? This is what you have right now. I am going to go home today and possibly cook some lunch. He would say, go in and just do it with all your might. Right? Toast those tater tots with all your might. And when you sit down with your family and you're chatting or playing a game, do it with all your might. T-Bird, when you have that ice cream sandwich, you eat that thing with all your might. Lick the paper. There is something here where he is saying, you have these moments right now. Give it all you have. Like live into it. And it's interesting because the things he's telling us to live into, 
It's not like, go win the triathlon. Go win the Oscar. You could do that too, but that's not this. God has gifted you with the most simple things in life. Go do them with all your might. It's the gift of God. When I think of really simple things, I think of something that one of my boys wrote for me when he was four years old. This happens in, in preschool. All of my kids did this. Um, and because I am way too sensitive and I collect too many things, I like hold on to everything that they do. I have giant boxes filled with kids' stuff that I really should probably throw away. But then you have sermons and you realize, hey, it's important that I kept that. This is something my four-year-old boy did in preschool. And parents will recognize this. It's a fill-in-the-blank. My dad's name is Jason. He is blank years old, 21. He is as big as the car. He has brown hair and blue eyes. His favorite food is soup. Yeah, my family's laughing because they know it is steak 100%. There is no soup. His favorite color is white. Um, and I, I remember asking him, why did you pick white? And he said, I don't know what your favorite color is. I just chose one. <laughs> okay. He likes to go to church. For fun, he likes to go to meetings. Yep, that's my fun. My favorite thing to do with my dad is play Mr. Potato Head. I wonder if either of my boys can remember who this is, if they remember playing Mr. Potato Head. I love my dad because he reads with me. Here's what I want to point out in this. I know why he said meetings. Because he saw his dad do that a lot. His dad often talked about going to meetings. It was just a simple observation, even from a four-year-old. Dad likes to go to meetings. I love that his favorite thing to do is play Mr. Potato Head. How simple is that? How mundane is that? I love my dad because, just hear this, he reads with me. Not because he's six foot tall and benches 300 pounds, which he doesn't. But he likes his kids to think that. Not because he's the most successful pastor ever with a megachurch. Because he's not. But because he reads with me. I think kids gift, get the gift better than adults get the gift. Because they know simplicity. But we can't lose that. The gift of God that he's called us to live out of is the very simple things in life. It's the mundane. It's the everyday. It's the stuff that we go in and out of, that we walk past. And he says, would you just stop for a moment and go, this is a gift from God. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to find the joy and the meaning that God has in this. I'm going to put all my might into some of the very simple things in life, like reading with my kids like hanging out with my family, 
like grilling a steak. All my might. That's the gift. That is what Kohelet says will bring us true joy and lasting worth. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word, for the guidance, for the ways that it, it holds up a mirror at times and it asks us to look at the ways we are living and the ways you've set out for us to live as our creator, as our father, as the one who loves every person in this room. Help us to embrace that you know the best way forward the best starting point for our lives and for us to embrace that with all our might. Thank you for the gift. Help us to build our life on that. And we ask it in Jesus' name.